had a, a very special service at Living Faith Church. This is the 400th time we have met as the body of Christ at Living Faith Church. 400. 400th service. That's like, you know, I started thinking, you know, at 100, you know, it was like, oh, man, we met 100 times, 200. 400 times, man, I was just, this morning I looked at it and I keep track of it. I said, wow, that's amazing. So we're having the newcomer's lunch on the 400th service. That's pretty cool. And uh, I just wanted to share that with y'all. So turn in your Bibles to 1 John uh, chapter 3. That's where we're going to start. Chapter 3, verse 16. 1 John 3, 16. In Jesus' name, I break this thing. I'm hearing myself in a barrel. I'm up here speaking and I'm answering myself. <laughs> Maybe turn the gain down a little bit. Um, in Jesus' name, the word will go forth. We thank you for it, Lord, and we give you the glory and the honor. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Here we go. Last week, second part on love. What about love? Okay? First part was what about sin. This second part of the series is what about love? I shared with you uh, last week that we have an almost really the theme song of this, you could say, of this of this. Uh, second part of the series, What About Love? Uh, how many of you remember the song by Dionne Warwick, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love? Remember that? What the world needs now, y'all remember that? Is love, well you can sing with me, sweet love, come on. It's the only thing there's just too little love. Right, we could use some more love in this world. Now that song, along with the Beatles of uh, uh, it, What's It All It's All About Love, uh, on and on and on, all these groups and all these people who sang about love, and there's nothing wrong with them in the words, they're good songs and everything else, but what they've drawn from there and what they realize is that we need a love in this world that's absent, but we need a love that is of divine origin, and all love is from divine origin. All love comes from God because we saw last week that he is the originator. Not only is he the originator of love, but he is love. So if you would say something like, like, uh, like that is a chair, you say, well, that chair was made here, or that chair was... No, no, no. You say, no, that is a chair. Well, God isn't just a definition of love. It's not just part of his character, a part of his nature, although it is his nature. It's bigger than that. God is love. So anything that is lovely, good, anything that is good report, anything that has all the attributes of love comes from God because he is love. We're made in the image of God. We're his children as born-again believers, and because of that, we should have, and we sang that today, we should have his blood flowing through our veins, so we should have his nature, we should have his character, and we should love as he loves. I shared with you last week that we also have a deep, innate desire, a need to be loved and to love. How many of you remember years ago when the, when the nation of Romania was, was released from, from dictatorship, from the 
oppressive rule that the government they had been under. Y'all remember that? When, when Romania was freed and, and, and the governments went in and went into these orphanages. Y'all remember that? And they had thousands of, of babies and even children all the way to 8, 9, 10 years old that were still sitting in cribs at 8, 9 years old, sitting in a crib because they just put thousands of them in there like, like chickens in a, in a stockyard or, or cattle in a stockyard. They were never held. They were never talked to. They were, they were never loved. They had no intimacy. Y'all remember that? I see some heads shaking. And they were sitting there. They couldn't talk. They couldn't interact. They didn't know what to, how to, to, to be around people or anything because they had never been loved okay and so we have this need within us to be loved I deal with that with families quite often a lot of times and either the husband or the wife withhold love I'm not talking physical sexual love here I'm talking about love approval hugging I love you being there all of those things entailed in love and when that happens when, when that is denied to one of the spouses or even to the children, it causes such, such havoc in that home. Uh, you have someone, in, 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 whether it's a wife or the husband or a child, that's always striving to get that approval, to get that love, to receive that hug and that affection because they never get it from one of the spouses. And more than likely, that spouse never got it from their parents. This is directly from the pit of hell. I also shared with you, and this is the truth, that you know the thing about the, you know, the young lady in the back seat of the car at the drive-in, where well, they had drive-ins in my day, they don't have them anymore, huh? But the, the, the young girl, more than likely, a lot of times, that young girl is looking for love. She's not looking for sex. She's looking for love. She's looking for tenderness and affection, okay? And I shared with you, and this is the truth, whether it's in the marriage or whether it's in, in dating relationships like that, most of the time, a, a girl will give sex to get affection and to feel loved. And we men, we're, we're no good because we'll try to show this fake affection and this love and try to fool them that we love them to get sex. Is this true? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, I know it's the truth, okay? So don't raise your hand. But it, but it, but it is the truth, you know? And, and so from the very beginning of time, this whole idea of love has been distorted by the devil. The, the, one of the, the primary needs and the nature of God and the heart of God has been distorted by the devil to turn it into something that is of the basest level. Remember I shared with you that there's three, really four kinds, but I'm just going to touch on three, three main types of love. You have eros love, okay? E-R-O-S. And that's where we get our word erotic from. That's a sexual attractive. Now, man, she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. Or, you know, man, he's, he's a hunk or whatever girls say about men, okay? And, 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 you know, my goodness, man, and you're attracted in that physical sense. That's eros. We get our word erotic from it, okay? You got phileo love. That's where the Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. That's a brotherly kind of affection, okay? That, that, and that's okay, but it's, it's a little bit higher than, than the Eros love. And then you've got agape love, which is a God kind of love. Agape, that's our Father in heaven and Jesus and the Holy Spirit who loves us with an agape. That's an all-giving kind of love that's worried about you. In other words, if I agape you, it means that I'm only concerned about you. I will, I will do anything it takes to, to meet your need and to make you happy. And, to, and it's all directed toward you. And see, that's the way it is with God because God loves us that way. All directed toward us. The cross was directed toward us. Okay, 
The cross was for us. He sent Jesus for us. And so that's an agape kind of love, okay? So you got those three different levels of love. The devil has twisted them and wants to keep us in the eros kind of love, in the eros love, which is strictly a physical kind of carnal type of love, okay? And he does that in our relationships. He, he tries to destroy the, the model of godly Christ-like or agape love, okay? Now, now, if you try to love someone agape kind of love, you know, if you, if you try to, to really just, just, just love them and give to them and go over backwards and, and, and bend over and love them, honestly, honestly, today in today's culture in this world, you, people are going to think you're strange. They really are. They're going to think you're drinking the Kool-Aid, man. They're going to think that you joined a cult or you did this. Or they, they're going to say, what's wrong? Or they will look at you, especially if you're a man. They'll look at you and they'll, they'll think that you're weak. You know, my goodness, what's he treats his wife like that? Man, she got him wrapped around her little finger. She's got, you know, he's weak. He can't, whatever. They don't understand it. They see meekness as weakness. They see a Christ kind of love. I've got a lady, amen, in back there. They see, they, see that kind of, they see that kind of love as weakness, not strength. But it really is strength because that's the way Jesus was. Are you with me? Remember when they had him in the garden and Peter cut the guy's ear off and all? They said, whoa, 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 whoa. And he, put, he healed the man's ear. He could have called down. And even on the cross, what did he say? He said, I could call down a legion of angels, okay? But his strength was in dying. His strength was in submitting. His strength was in laying down instead of raising up and putting up the dukes. Are you with me? So it's a God kind of love that we need to shoot for in our lives. A Christ-like kind of love in our relationships, here in church, in every part of our life. Now keep in mind as I go through today's message that, 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 that the kind of love I'm talking about in these points is a Christ kind of love. So when I say love does this, because the title today is What Love Does. Very simple message. I'm just going to list some points and then kind of hit with stories on each one of those points. And you'll be in one of those points. I was in all six of them. But you'll be in at least one of those points. So, so don't hang your head. Just smile and pretend like I'm not talking to you, okay? And, and everything will be fine. And, but I'm talking about a Christ kind of love. Now, how can we get that kind of love? Only by asking the Holy Spirit to empower us and to guide us into that secret place of God's heart. And then we come out changed. Now, let me qualify this message. I kidded about this last week, but I'm going to tell you today. I don't want to see one husband looking at his wife and go, he's talking to you. I don't want to see one wife in here elbowing her husband. No elbows, okay? Because we're going to get personal. This is practical, and it's going to be dealing with your lives, okay? Let's read together. 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to read quickly because it's quite a bit of Scripture, but I want you to hear it all. Now listen to this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Drop down to verse 23. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. 
And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. The spirit he gave us. Chapter 4, verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. So if you have your Bibles or your, or your iPads or whatever, turn to verse 7 of the next chapter. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The propitiation means atoning sacrifice. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Okay? We know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete or finished among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. For perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love because he first loves us, loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. What does love do? What does love do? How is it demonstrated? How is it lived out in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ? How do we demonstrate and live it out? How? Yeah, but how? How do I do this? First of all, love lays down itself. Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's the scripture. We just read it. One of my favorite passages, Philippians chapter 2, the great kenosis passage. Kenosis means emptying, where God emptied himself of the right of remaining the king on the throne and came down to earth, it says, as a servant, a bondservant, even as a slave and a criminal, even as a criminal hung on the cross, okay? And in that passage at the beginning, it says, if you have any spiritual decency about yourself, is what he means there, then please be like-minded, sharing the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself, looking out not only for your own interests, but the interests of others also. Your attitude or mind should be the same as Christ Jesus. Now, we get our greatest pattern of dying to self or laying ourselves down by following the pattern of Jesus Christ. Now, now, saints, dear ones, listen to me. This isn't easy. You know, I get up here and preach this, and you preach it. We, we all fail. I do too. We, we fail it. We fail at it. Sometimes we pass, but we also fail at laying ourselves down. That's what love is. Laying your will down. Laying yourself down. And it's hard. This, this Christian thing isn't for sissies. 
It, it really isn't. It's, it's, it's hard to do that. You know, now many preachers, and, and, and you see them on TV and everything, they get up there and they start preaching and, and everything else, and, and, and they build these big mega churches on, on, on lies, really, a lot of times, because, you know, they say when you come to Christ, you know, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and everything, and that's just not the truth. You know, you didn't sign up for the for lifestyles of the rich and famous. You signed up for, for lifestyles of the crushed and the broken, the abused, the accused, the let down, the let down, the refused. I'm telling you. I was talking to my neighbor just yesterday, and, and, and we had the National Day of Prayer, and he came up to me and he said, man, he said, now we have every denomination there. We have the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, we have us, we have, uh, I mean, every church in Youngsville is there. And he came up to me and he said, this guy came up to me and told me my church wasn't a real true church. And he said, he started quoting scripture to me. I said, what? Now, you'd have had to pray for him at that point because if he was standing there, I'd hit him. But I said, what? Okay. He said, yeah. He said, he, he, said he came up and, 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 and he told me that. And, I, and he said, man, it, it, it hurt my feelings. Okay. He got crushed. All right. And so what I did was, you know, I said, man, well, look, you're in good company because Jesus said if they persecute you and revile you, you know, because of your belief in me, because of me, he said, Jesus said, great is your reward in heaven. And I said, man, I can't believe that. I, I, you know, I'm going to wait till next week before I hit him, you know. But I'm joking. I'm not, I'm not going to go hit the guy that told him that. But you signed up for that when you signed up in this, okay? You know, we had people come in the daycare when we met in that daycare for six and a half years. And we had people come in there, and, and, and they can verify this, walk in there and say, this isn't a real church. You know, and I'm going, man, and it crushed me. It hurt my feelings. But that's what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for this big, wonderful, sometimes it's a rosy walk, but most of the time it's just, you, you got to walk this thing out, okay? But God says, listen, when that happens, he said, you're in good company because you're with my son, but also you are raised in heavenly places with him. The reward is that if you go through the suffering with him and lay yourself down, then he will raise you up in heavenly places with his son, Jesus Christ. Now, loving like Christ means some things. Let me read them to you. It means giving up your right to be right, your right to control, giving up your control of others, giving up always having to have your way. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5 is a great model of that. I read it at weddings all the time. That Christ died for his bride. He laid down his life for his bride for us. How many of you know that yourself is the hardest self to put on the shelf? Yourself is the hardest self to put on the shelf. The Holy Spirit just gave me that while I was preparing this message, okay? And, and, and it's really sad because the, the true joy of this walk comes in surrender, not of empowering self. It comes in surrendering self, not empowering self. So yourself is the hardest self to put on the shelf. Say it with me. Say, myself is the hardest self to put on the shelf. It's just some words, but it's true. Try it. Shelf yourself for somebody else. Now, I know I'm making some little rhymes here, but shelf yourself for somebody else. It's hard. Put yourself on the back burner and your plans on the back burner for somebody else. Take your big ideas. Take what you know or you think to be right. Take all, everything that you just you, you got going and you got the momentum and you have everything going and put it on the shelf for somebody else. That's hard to do, isn't it? That's very hard to do, where you lift them up and lower yourself. It's almost impossible a lot of times to do that because we give in to self. We give in, and real love 
Christ-like love is laying yourself down. June and I like watching HGTV. You watch, and our favorite show on our program on HGTV is House Hunters. Anybody in here watch House Hunters? We like it not only because we like looking at the houses, but because you can see, especially the international house hunters, you see all parts of the world. See people hunting for houses on these beautiful beaches, and you see these towns in Italy and France and all over the place. So we like HGT and we like house hunters. But we've gotten now where we watch it so much where we can tell you which house they're going to pick. You're shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. Because it's the husband and wife and, 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 and June, you know, and, and the little lady will say something like she'll say, and I know how to get my way to the camera, you know. And, or, or the guy is just constantly controlling everything. And I look at June, I say, he's got a controlling spirit, man. And everything. And sure enough, they pick. Every now and then it fools us, but 99% of the time, you can tell who's going to lay down their will and their desires and their wants for what they want in that house for the other one. And many times it's the poor wife who's doing that for that big guy. And that's wrong. Okay? It's wrong. All right? It should be no, no. They should be arguing over whose house which they would choose. Are you with me? Okay? You lay down yourself when you love like Jesus Christ. All right? Now, I want to ask you all something. Don't raise your hand and don't punch your spouse or whatever. Listen to these questions. Do I always get my way? Do I really consider others in my decisions? Now, here's one personally, and June's at home sick, so I can, I can say this one, and she's not amen at this one. But does my spouse seem bored on most vacations because you want to go tour the Mabel Aviation Museum? We go every year for our vacation to near Pensacola, Florida, and I love to go to the Naval Aviation Museum. I mean, I fight World War II, I fight Vietnam in there, and I go, and for the first few years, I drug that poor woman through that thing. I should have been kicked. <laughs> and now I just tell her, just stay, just stay, I'm going to go, and I'll go. And y'all know every year we bring Brother Kirk and Miss Crystal with us. We go for like a little retreat, and we go for a week and everything, and, and even Brother Kirk don't come with me anymore. I'm just being honest here, okay? All right? <laughs> Have you ever taken wrong and asked for forgiveness, even if you knew you were right? John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. Secondly, love gives and shares its stuff. Verse 17, shares and gives its stuff. How many of us got some stuff? Oh, come on. How many of you have too much stuff to put in your garage? You've got a, a, a place somewhere. You don't have to raise your hand. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? That's what Scripture says. You see, love is more than just giving up your will. It's giving up of your provision and sharing what God has given you. There's so many people who need the basic things in life that we take for granted in our own community that have one change of clothes, have one set of clothes. They don't have go into their closet and say, what am I going to wear today? They don't have that. We were talking at the pastor's meeting this Wednesday that you've got kids who have nothing in their life 
we were talking, uh, we were talking Friday morning at my men's meeting. My brother was telling me he's, he's coaching, and, and they've got some young men who, who he, they, what, three times a year, they live in at different places. They don't have a roof over their head. Here. And we take it for granted, you know, instead of sharing and opening our home up. And God's going to reward you for that, my brother. And, and, and we have so much, and you have people who have nothing. So love means sharing what you have, sharing your provision, what God has blessed you with. To say, Lord, I don't have much, but I can do that. I can give, and I can share. I can bring food. I can take care of things. Now, think with me here just for a second. You're driving in your car, and you get to the corner of Ambassador Caffrey and Pick a Street, Johnson Street, right there by Mordell's Bookstore. I've seen there many a time. And as you're getting closer, you see, you see someone, you see a man there. He looks pretty ragged. He looks pretty, he, he's, he could be anywhere from his 30s to his 70s. And he's got this scraggly beard. He's got clothes that looks dirty. And he's holding a sign that says what? Help. I will work for food. Right. Change. Whatever. He's sitting, they're standing there with that sign, right? Have y'all all seen that? Right? And you see it ahead of time, and something inside of you goes, oh, no. Right? Your stomach says, oh, no. Because you're faced with a decision at that point. What am I going to do in my heart of hearts with this person who's sitting there? Because that person, you're thinking most of the time, that person is, is, is probably a drug addict or an alcoholic and has messed their life up, and, they, and, and they've done all these things, and they've made these choices and everything. And that may be true, and probably most of the time it is true. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time that probably is true. But you're still faced with seeing someone who is begging you for help. Come on, guys, I'm getting personal now. Is this true or not? And what do you do when you get to that corner? You look the other way. You turn the music up, you change lanes, you do whatever, okay? Most of the time, not all the time. The lady here who heads up our children's church, her and her daughter, Miss Lindsay, saw the same thing around the holidays. They rolled the window down. I don't know if they had any money with them or whatever. They prayed with that person. How's that for a novel idea? They prayed with that person. How about this for another novel idea? We used to do this on the railroad all the time. I agree with you. I don't want to give money to someone who's going to go bottle it buy a bottle of alcohol and hurt. I don't want to do that. But how about this? How about keeping some, some non-perishable food in your car the next time? I will work for food. You don't have to work, buddy. Here it is right here. We used to do that all the time on the railroad. And you give them the food. They're not going to sell food to go buy alcohol or drugs. They'll eat the food. I will work for food. You don't have to work. Here it is right here. Keep it in your car. How's that for a good idea? Come on. The love of God. And then get you some tracks and put them with that food. You know what a track is? If you don't, look right back there. We have them right back there on the, on the, on the back table. Or no, they're in the foyer, I think. Yeah. And, you can, and you, can, you can give them scripture and food. You give them some spiritual food and some regular food at the same time. So love shares its stuff, okay? Uh, what an idea to do something like that. And ask the Holy Spirit to check your heart, okay? Do you have compassion on that person or are you just judging them? Thirdly, Love does what it says it's all about. Verse 18, dear children, let us not love only with words or our tongue, but with actions and in truth. Real love has hands and it has feet. It walks out what it proclaims. It walks it out. How often have y'all heard, I love you, brother? Have y'all heard that? Come on. I love you, brother. I love you, brother. Unless it means having to come help you. 
I love you, brother, unless it means I have to give up my Saturday morning to come help you do something at your house or you're broken down on the highway. I love you, brother, unless it interferes with one of my games. I love you, brother, unless it means that I've got $50 and I need to give you 25 of it. You see, love has hands and love has feet to it, okay? Not only with words and tongue, John says, and this is John the apostle of love who's teaching this, okay? And it becomes truth as it is lived out. Talk is cheap. But you know the old thing at Mardi Gras, throw me something, mister? How about show me something, mister? John 13, 35 in the Amplified Bible says, By this all men will know you're my disciples. If you love one another, if you keep showing love among yourselves. James chapter 2, verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, have peace, keep warm, may your physical needs be met, God bless you. What good is that? How about, come here, let me help you. How about, look, all I got is 10 bucks, but it's yours. To someone with nothing, $10 is a lot of money. Believe me, I have been there where I wish I had had $10, okay? In the same way, love as faith without actions in the book of James is dead faith. Love without actions is dead. It's flat, okay? How often do we turn our heads and turn our, the other direction for a, a good Samaritan opportunity? Someone with a flat. Now, ladies, be careful for your security. I'm not talking. Please, use some good sense, ladies. Don't just be stopping at people you see and having flats and all that. Use some wisdom here, okay? I'm not trying to preach to you to go out and do dangerous things, you know, especially you ladies, okay? But the word declaration, the Holy Spirit showed me, and the word proclamation need one more letter in them. This is cool. This is right from the throne room of God. Declaration and proclamation, if you add one letter, C, to it, becomes declaration and proclamation. One letter, C, in there, okay? You ever been a place where you needed help for someone to actually physically help you, where you needed help, and you looked like that guy on that street corner, and you were the one where people say, well, I don't know if I want to stop and help them. I have. On the railroad, I had a 1967 Volkswagen. I, was, I, I had been bumped and had to drive all the way to Orange, Texas to work. I'd leave about 1 o'clock in the afternoon because I'd put, you know, remember the Volkswagen, and I'd drive 50 and 55 miles an hour. It was a 359 job, 4 o'clock in the afternoon job, and we would go to work at, at 359 at 4, and we would work till 4 the next morning at one of the chemical plants just between Orange and, and Beaumont, and, and big giant mosquitoes that big, and then it would take an hour for the driver, for the, for the carry-all driver to get us back to where we were so it was 5 5 30 before I got back on the road I'd drive all the way back to Lafayette and I would sleep for three or four hours have to get ready and then go all the way back it was tough okay and there I was in my little Volkswagen and one morning I'd gotten off and I'm driving back I got between rain and Crowley and there was an a-frame system on those old Volkswagens you know what I'm talking about brother and that a-frame for the wheel and the a-frame broke on the thing and the wheel jammed up into the thing and here I go by the grace of God, I lived through the whole thing, and I'm on the side of the road. Now, in those days, you would not have been proud of your pastor. You would have been ashamed, not ashamed, but you would have said, this is my pastor, but he needs a haircut. I had long hair past my shoulders, a long beard. I looked like ZZ Top. 
I weighed about 160 pounds. I had blue jeans before it was stylish. They had holes. They'd laugh at me at the railroad all over. You could see my rear end because of the holes. I'd wear cowboy boots. I literally looked like someone they just turned loose from Texas jail. All right? And there I am on the side of the road with this Volkswagen standing there. And here comes this old pickup truck with an old man who was a farmer with a Cajun accent. I'll never forget it. And he said, you got problems? I said, yes, sir. My tire's on the thing. He said, get in. I wouldn't have picked myself up. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm on that same job. I'm working. I, I, I had it till there was a... a the Brasseurs had a filling station. Blaine worked for the railroad, brought it to Karen Crow, and there was a little shop there, and we got it fixed. I'm driving back and forth again, and finally it just wore me down. I was young, but it wore me down all the, that time. And that, that same, uh, the carry-all driver uh, was an older man, and he could see. He said, son, you driving all the way back? to?" I said, yes, sir. I, 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 I didn't, you know, where am I going to stay? You know, I'd spend money quicker than I made it. And, and he said, Man, he said, just come to my house. Come on. The way I looked, ooh, you should have seen me. Again, I wouldn't have let me in my house. He said, come to my house. And he let me sleep in an extra bedroom more than once where I could rest when we worked that long. How many of you do that? Now, don't raise your hand. These are tough questions. These are tough questions, okay? So, now, fourthly, Love, real love, replaces fear. There's no fear in real love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, the scripture says. And one who fears is not made perfect in love. Love not only works out with the tongue and actions and truth, but this is how we know that we belong to the truth. This is how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. God's perfect love on the cross drives out fear. Where there is love, there is trust. Where there is trust, you can discipline. Where there is love, you can correct. Where there is love, you can, you can guide people. But where there's no love, people don't want to hear from you. Let me ask you a question. And I see that all the time, too. Are people afraid of you? You don't know how many times as a pastor, and y'all know me, you say, Marshall, you're a pretty nice guy. But still, still, I'll call someone up here in the church, and when I call them up, they sound so frightened. I say, what's wrong? Are you okay? Everything's all right. And they say, oh, no, no, I just thought maybe I did something wrong. I'm serious. Their pastor calls them up, and they think they did something wrong. You see, that's the spirit of fear. That's not a spirit of love that trusts and say, even if I did something wrong, my pastor loves me and he may correct me, but he loves me and he's going to head me in the right direction. Come on. So it loves. Perfect love loves. Ask those closest to you if they're afraid of you. You'd be surprised what they tell you. Men, especially us. Ask them if they're afraid of you. And see what they tell you. Fifthly, it demonstrates and is the key to all spiritual gifts. You have 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. We're going to go over next week on Mother's Day. The title next week is A Mother's Love. Okay? You got chapter 12 and you got chapter 14. Right in the middle is chapter 13, the love chapter. And it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, where the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. 
Now you got chapter 12 dealing with spiritual gifts. You got chapter 14 dealing with spiritual gifts. And then Paul throws right in the middle of the love chapter. Why do you think he did that? Because he didn't know how to write? Because he didn't know how to organize things? Why do you think that God in his sovereign power allowed that? I'm going to tell you why. Because Paul understood that all spiritual gifts were only as effective as the amount of love that is used in administering them. Only as effective as the amount of love in administering them. Now honestly... Who cares how much you know unless they know how much you care? Is this true? Is this true? Do you want someone ministering to you and laying hands on you who, is not, who has no love in them, has no compassion in them? No. I have turned people down from praying for me, actually. One of them was kind of mad and said, hey, can, can I pray for you? And I said, no. I'm serious. I don't want some prideful, boastful, arrogant person who even may even be moving in the spiritual gifts. I don't want that on me. Come on. Tell me how much you love me and then come pray for me. And then come lay your hands on me. And then I'll trust you, okay? Lastly, love reveals who you really are and who really lives in you. 1 John 4, 7, that's the next, next chapter. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Whoever does not love doesn't know God, because God is love. No one has ever seen God, but if you love one another, then God lives in you, and his love is made complete in you. Remember, this comes from the Apostle John, the Apostle of Love, who had seen the fake stuff and seen the real stuff. He had seen Judas. He had seen the real deal and he had seen the fake deal. Okay? Now, how many of you in here remember the, the show on TV called Truth or Consequences? Well, there's a few of us in here that old. It was a show where you had a panel of three celebrities and you had a panel of three people. These three people on the other panel, they were a person of interest, a hero, someone who had done something exceptional or whatever. And the panel of celebrities would ask, each one of them would ask them a question. And then at the end, they would, they would vote who was the real person who was pretending to be that. And then at the end, the announcer would say, would the real Brent please stand up? With the real David, please stand up. And then one would pretend he would stand up. And then finally the real person would stand up. And they had voted on who that person was. Let me tell you something, church. Listen, dear ones, listen to me. Listen to me. Eventually, the real marshal will be exposed. Believe me. Eventually, the real Kirk will stand up. He may not know he's standing up, but he will stand up and you will see him. You want to know why? You want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because God wants you to be changed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And that will only happen when you see in a mirror that you need a touch of God and you need the love of God in your heart. And love will shine or it won't shine. If it's there, you'll see it. If it's not there, you'll see it's not there. Now, I'm going to share a little something with you as a pastor. There's only two things I know, locomotives and church and the Bible and God. That's it. Don't ask me anything about television or this or that or computers or anything. At all. I know about locomotives. I could take one apart blindfolded. I did that for 24 years. I know church. I know the Bible, everything else. And I know preachers. I know people who are preaching. And if someone starts preaching and there's no love in them, Right off. Right? 
Would you be here today if you sensed that I was not a loving person and I had... You want a pastor who's just an executive? If you want an executive, you got the wrong one here because I sure ain't no executive. I don't even like that term, churches that have executive pastors. That makes me want to throw up. People are hungry for love, for the real deal.